Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... Because you really can't be any earthly good until you're heavenly minded. No saying that people say, you know, you, you're so heavenly minded, he's no earth. Ah, not really. No, if, you know, if you're really heavenly minded, you'll be most beneficial to those that are on the earth. When your mind is with the Lord, when you are thinking about the things above, we all got to consider... And what, what am I spending my energy, my time? What do I dream about? What am I what am I going after? And does it have anything to do with God's agenda, God's purpose, God's plan for my life? Do you agree with the saying, you can be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good? Well, in today's message, Pastor Bill contests this saying. He believes the opposite is true, that in order for you to be earthly good, you must be heavenly minded. Pastor Bill explains that when you're heavenly minded, you're focused on the things of God. You're seeking out the Lord's will, His character, and His kingdom's purposes. This mindset will overflow into goodness within the earth. Stay focused on Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Colossians chapter 3 as he begins his message, Old Man versus New Man. Look at Colossians chapter 3 starting at verse 1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So the the first thing I want to clear up is the word if could be better said since he's not questioning if they have been raised with Christ. If you guys look backwards in chapter two, verse 12, he told them that they have now been raised as you have been raised. You also were raised with him through faith and the working of God. So they know they've been raised with Christ. What he's saying is since you've been raised with Christ, you should be seeking the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. One distinction between the old life and the new life is that now that you've been raised with Christ, you should be going after different things. We should be seeking different things. And so I want you to consider this, right? Maybe you're here. And before you came to Christ, you had a vision for your life. Many people do. Many people have goals and dreams and visions and plans that they got from somewhere before you met the Lord. And so when you come to Christ and then this is what happens a lot of times, a person will come to Christ and then they're looking for Jesus to make their vision for their life come to pass. But you know what oftentimes needs to happen is you need to chuck that plan that you came up with apart from God. And now that you've come under the lordship of Jesus, you need to come and say, God, what's your plan for my life? Is there something you intend to do in me, with me and through me for your glory that I may have missed in the plans that I created when I did not know you? Who here had plans for your life when you weren't saved that God has radically changed since you came to know him? Most of us did, right? As I look back on the plan, I had plans before I got saved. I would be embarrassed to go forth with those. I mean, I couldn't even go forth with those plans today. They just don't work in the new life, in the new the new way that I'm living my life. They don't work. My motives are different now. My motive for why I wanted to do what I wanted to do doesn't work anymore. And so we need to bring everything back full circle. So again, it says, since you then you were raised with Christ, another place in scripture where the if means since is in Matthew 4, verse 3, where Satan says to Jesus, Since you're the son of God, command that these stones be turned to bread. Satan is not 
you know, unaware that Jesus is the son of God. He's really saying, since you're the son of God, that's just for you students. So if then, or since then you were raised with Christ, you should be seeking the things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So question number one, you could ask yourself is, am I seeking the eternal things? Am I seeking the things which are above with my life? Or am I seeking the things of this earth? Is your passion and vision and what you're going after and seeking, is it all about what you can have here and now in this life? Because God is saying you should be seeking those things which are above. There's got to be a, a shift change in your desire and what your passions are, what you're going after, because now you have been raised with Christ positionally. You've been raised with Christ. I'm still living down here, but spiritually speaking, I'm raised with him. I'm one day going to be with him. I got to get my mind set where I'm looking into the future. I'm looking into to heaven in terms of my goals, desires, passions, and dreams. He says in verse two, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. The idea of setting your mind is a command, right? He's telling you, you can set your mind. Y'all realize that as a Christian, you have power over you. You can set your mind to do something. And God is commanding you here. He said, look, set your mind now on things above, not on things of the earth. And so, again, I would challenge everybody here to investigate your passions, investigate what you're seeking, investigate what you're giving yourself to. How much energy, how much time, how much passion are you pouring into stuff that God from heaven would say, I'm not really concerned about that. It's not bad. I just don't care about it. Y'all know there's some things that you could do that are not sinful. They're not bad. God just don't care about them. They have nothing to do with, with what he's doing in, in the world. They're nothing to do with leading people to eternity. And so be careful that that doesn't take up all of your life, that you're not spending the best hours, the best time, the best of your energy, the best of your resources on something that God would say, I don't even care about that. We want to be giving ourselves over to that which God is concerned with. And so he says, set your mind. That means you got to think about what you're doing. You got to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And I challenge all of us here to be heavenly minded. I've heard some people say you can be so heavenly minded. What do they say? But you know, that's not really true, right? Because you really can't be any earthly good until you're heavenly minded. Those sayings that people say, you know, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earth. Ah, not really. No, if, you know, if you're really heavenly minded, you'll be most beneficial to those that are on the earth. When your mind is with the Lord, when you are thinking about the things above, we all got to consider, hey, what, what am I spending my energy, my time? What do I dream about? What am I, what am I going after? And does it have anything to do with God's agenda, God's purpose, God's plan for my life? Is it just stuff that I, I saw somewhere? This is a danger in our culture is we're a very visual culture. We got something in our face 24 seven TV, you know, phones, and we're, we could be watching other people do things all the time. And oftentimes that's how people get vision for, Ooh, I want to do that. Ooh, I want to do that. Ooh, they did that. I want to do that. You know, I can't imagine when I was a kid, right? We had to go to, we had a, we had to go to library at school and then we can get a book at library and we can look. I used to get visions from that. I, I did one week in library and I was looking at, you know, what's, what was a stunt guy, evil Knievel, I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a black evil Knievel. I'm dead serious. I was like, yo, I got vision. I read his book. I read the little little book about him and what he was doing. I'm like, I'm going to do that. You know, I could do that. I, I ride my dirt bike at home. I jump jumps and stuff. I could be that. And then, you know, some weeks later, I'm reading about a football guy. I'm going to be that. Now, today, 
you know, we got a phone, you got internet, you got social media, you got stuff flooding through your mind, YouTube. You could be changing visions over and over and over again. I want to be that. I want to try that. I want to do this. So important that you get a vision for your life that comes from the Lord. And I'm just going to pause right here for someone maybe wondering, how do I get a vision for my life that comes from God? Three steps, three steps. How do I get a vision for my life that comes from God? Step number one, any vision for your life that you've accumulated apart from God, throw that away, right? Step number one, any vision, plan, dream, desire that you acquired apart from God, first step is you got to throw that in the trash. That's probably in the way of what, you know, God is going to be speaking to you about. So take what you've already come up with apart from God, put that in the trash. Step number two. It says in Romans 12 verses one and two, it says that we read it to us. So I don't, I don't botch it up, but it's, it, it really gives us clarity about how to get God's will where we can prove it. We can know it. So Romans 12 verses one and two, it says, I beseech you brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans lays it out really beautifully for us through there. He says, look, this is, this is how you can know the will of God. First, present your body to God, a living sacrifice. God, I'm living for you. I'm dying every day to my flesh that I might be living for you first. Present myself. I'm, I'm a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is my reasonable service. Not a big deal that I do this because Jesus died for me. Then don't be conformed to the world. The world has a way about it. God said, don't fall into the mold of this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, then you're going to be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will. And, that, and I love that it says that you can prove. Prove means I can know it for a fact, right? I can distinguish that this is God's will for my life. So step number one, we put away anything that is, we dreamed up apart from God. Step number two, we do Romans 12, one and two, right? We, we're a living sacrifice, not conformed to the world, transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Number three, and every step here is important, but step number three, I've got to be yielded, right? I, I can't do anything that God's going to call me to do without faith. I guarantee you that the things that God will call you to do are going to be things that are beyond your own ability. So often God will call us to do something or put a, something in our mind that is, we would look at it at first. I can't do that. And God's like, I know, I know God will always set you up to do something that you need his help. You need his strength. You need his power. And so step number three is you got to tap into God for his strength as God, be, as he proves what is good and perfect will is now you got to in faith, you got to go forward with it. So many people have heard from God, a one step, God's given them a step. I want you to do this. And so many people have sat on that step for months. Some people for years may be here today. You may be listening today where there's something God spoke to you. You've known for years. This is the thing that God keeps speaking to you. You haven't taken one step because the thing that God will call you to do is always greater than yourself. And you have to exercise faith. God says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so if you're sitting on something today and you know what it is, that means the Holy Spirit is ringing in your head right now. May this be the holy boot to your pants 
a sanctified butt kick for you that say, get up and do it by faith. Just do it. What's the worst that could happen? Right. The worst that could happen is you can try to do something great for God and fail. The only thing worse than trying to do something great for God and failing is failing to try to do anything for God. And so step out, step out by faith. So I just want to encourage us in those things. I do believe it's important that we live for God, but that our living for God be defined by and directed by the Lord. So again, he says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse three, he says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now he's not talking about a physical death, right? He's speaking about spiritually speaking. We died with Christ. When you guys get water baptized, symbolically, we die with him and then we're raised to new life in him symbolically. And so we've died with Christ. That means the old you and the old me, we've died to that person. Here's the challenge. Everybody here still lives in that old body. Amen. And the old body, he don't know. Sometimes the old body don't know he's dead. The Bible says you got to reckon him dead. So there are going to be days where the old, the old man is like, Hey, we, you know, you know how we do, we do it like that. Or we talk like that. Or we behave like that. Or we respond like that. And the Bible says you got to reckon the old man dead. You got to tell the old man, you got to put him in his place. You got to shut him down. And so it says, look, you have, you know, your spiritual reality is you have died with Christ. Now the challenge for us is to bring the spiritual reality into practical practice. Spiritually speaking, I have died with Christ, but now my life needs to be lived out in a way that says it's died to Christ. And so again, maybe you can consider your life before Christ. Maybe you had a temper. Maybe you had a foul mouth. Maybe you were argumentative. Maybe you were a liar. Maybe you were a player. Maybe you were a cheater. Maybe you were everything I mentioned and then some, right? Whatever you were before Christ, now in Christ, your flesh still wants to be what it used to be. It's you that have to reckon that old man dead. It's you that have to determine that that's not what we're going to do. That's not how we're going to live. Here's the cool thing. You reckon the old man dead, but God provides the power by his spirit for you to make that a reality. So it's not in your own strength. God isn't saying you got to muster up the strength in yourself. God says you make the decision. I'll provide the power, the power of the spirit. Romans 8, Paul said it's by the spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body that we might live. It's a spiritual uh, power that God makes available to us that we might that we might make this a reality. And so, again, he says you've died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When it says your life is hidden, it's interesting, right? Because there will be people that look at a transformed life and they just don't understand what changed. Uh, it's hidden. Our life is hidden with God in Christ. The non-believer will look at a transformed life. They'll look at some things we do as Christians and be perplexed. I don't get it. I don't understand. They don't understand. You know, when my friend that led me to Christ got saved and we were young high school. So if you can imagine we're high school, we're not, none of us are Christian. We're running amok. We're doing what high school boys do. And then this guy gets saved. He commits to marry his girlfriend. He stops drinking and partying and going out. I was like, I, I was perplexed. I was like, I don't understand. I, I thought that this girl had him so whipped. I said, bro, I've never seen a case of whipping this bad. You're so young. This is unbelievable. But, you know, what ends up happening later, I, I come to find out he got saved. Listening in his bedroom, listening to the radio, he said, uh, trying to listen to some rap station. And his radio somehow got on to K-Wave. And he heard Raw Reeves preach the gospel. He got saved in his bedroom. Then, uh, I guess sharing it with his current girlfriend, she gets saved. They radically get born again. Leave, they get a month out of high school and get married. 
And then guess who moves into my apartment building while I'm doing, I'm slaying weed. I live with a girl. I drink every day. Guess who moves in my apartment building right upstairs? This guy. And can I say this? Probably the first person that I personally knew and I saw the transformation. I remember begging him, man, come to the party, bro. He's like, I don't do that no more. Come on, man. She won't, she won't even know. I don't do that. He just wouldn't do it. I didn't, I was perplexed. But what he had, his testimony said that he believed what he had committed to. So when he began to speak to me about the gospel, I couldn't deny him. I had faith in the fact that, you know, he had adhered to what he said he, he believed. And so he had my respect, at least for that. And that's who God used to lead me to Christ. His changed life was a testimony. Even when I didn't know it was, it was testifying to me of the power of God to transform a life. He was what I used to be. And now he was not what I was any longer And so you get to be that for people. As the Lord transforms you, you'll be that testimony. You'll be that witness, particularly for those that knew you beforehand. And, you know, for family and friends and folk, it takes time. Some people will think, oh, he's going through a phase. He's he's, he's trying out church, you know. You got to live it out for a while before some people, you know, give you the credit. That's okay. Because you're supposed to live it out for the rest of your life anyway. So just keep living it. And after a while, people will have to acknowledge that this is the reality. This is who they are now. So moving on, he says, our life is is hidden with Christ in God. Verse four, it says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And while on earth, our life is hidden right now on earth. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Everybody can't see what's going on. They can see my transformation, but it's hidden. But God said there's a day coming in the future when Christ who is our life. He is everything to us. Christ is everything to the believer. He is our life. He is why we have life. God says that the day that's coming, he's going to appear and we're going to appear with him. It'll be public then. One day, all the questions will be answered. One day, we're going to appear with him. It won't be hidden in him. We'll be appearing with him visibly. And that's the hope of the believer. We look forward to the day. We know for us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We look forward to a day where the Lord is going to return and we're going to be with him. We're going to return with him. We covered that in Revelation quite heavily. And so these are the things that believers are looking forward to. Verse 5 now. He's going to begin to list now attributes and behaviors of the old life that should no longer characterize the man or the woman of God. I need you to listen to the things that we're laying out here and you need to listen and consider for yourself. These things still characterize me. Certainly I walked in some of these things as a non-believer, but does this still characterize you today? If so, you're in trouble. And if so, then there's some repenting and some, some changes that need to take place in your life because he's given us this information to reveal that I want you to know what the old man looks like so that if you still look like the old man, don't be walking around here thinking you a new man. If you still look like this, you need to be changed. And let me just say this because... I think in some people's minds, some people think it's possible to be born again, but still kind of continue in the old life. But because you have acknowledged Jesus, because you prayed a prayer to God, that it's okay. You know, it's okay to live on in whatever you used to do, but you just added to your sinful life the fact that I did pray that prayer and I've accepted Jesus. And I'm saying that Jesus is Lord, but practically he's not the Lord. Practically, I do whatever I want. That is a danger today. I think there are people that are false. They have a false sense of their spiritual security today. And if you just read scripture, honestly, you would understand that it doesn't work like that. 
You cannot go on in old sin, old life, habitual rebellion, and expect that I am going to heaven when this is over with. So listen to what he says about the old man, how he identifies it. Starting in verse five, therefore, he says, put to death your members, which are on the earth. So speaking of the body and the the things our body does, he says, put these things to death. First on the list, fornication. This is generally used to describe sexual intercourse between unmarried persons, or uh, sometimes it's a broader word that just means sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, sexual behavior outside of marriage, but fornication here, first on the list, uncleanness. This refers to impurity of thought, word or action, moral filth, rather than physical dirtiness here. So whereas fornication is actually doing dirt, the second word uncleanness is, is in your mind, it's in your heart. And so maybe, maybe you aren't doing it, but you're thinking it, you're watching it, you're participating in it and mentally and otherwise, and it's not the other yet. He says, hey, this, this can't be part of a, a believer's life. This can't be how you habitually get down. So fornication, uncleanness, the next is passion. This, this word of the, for all first three are kind of all of a sexual nature. Um, the word passion, it denotes a strong, unbridled lust. Just someone who's just given over to, to the lust of their flesh in different ways. So you got fornication, uncleanness, passion. Next is evil desire. This is a, an intense and often violent craving. So evil desire. Next covetousness. It says covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness in general, it means greediness or desire to have more. Here it may also refer to an unholy desire to satisfy sexual appetites, but it's idolatry. Covetousness is wanting more. It's, it's saying what God has given me isn't enough. I want more than what God has provided. Again, we live in a world that is always throwing stuff in our face to make you want more, more, more. And so there's a lack of contentment. For you guys that are doing the Bible reading, um, yesterday in Philippians, we covered the section in Philippians 4 where Paul said, I've learned to be content in every situation. Rather, I have a lot or a little. I abound or I'm a base. I'm hungry, I'm full. He said, I've learned that whatever state I'm in, I'm able to be content. Then in the context of that, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Right? I can be content in any situation. Can you be content in any situation? Are you content when you got a lot? Are you content when you have a little? Are you content when you have a little and they have a lot? You know, we need to be able to be content in whatever state God has put us in. God is allowing us to be in. And so again, covetousness, which he says is idolatry. Then verse six, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. So because of the things that we've listed here, God says, these are the attributes and the characteristics of those who are not born again, the sons of disobedience. It says, for this reason, the wrath of God is coming. These are the things that the people are doing that God says his wrath is coming down on. And so, again, I would challenge you that are here, that are born again, that believe that you're saved. Does this characterize you? It should not. This list shouldn't characterize you. If it does, then hear me, hear me. You should repent today. Right. If this character, if this is like, this is how I live. This is this because what he's describing here is the old man, not the new man. This is the old man and the old man's desires. And if this is characteristic of how you're living, what you're doing, this would indicate that hey, I, you need to be born again. There needs to be a change that comes about in your life. You cannot continue to go on this way and expect that you're OK with God here and will be OK 
with the Lord. There's got to be repentance and transformation that takes place in our lives. And so, again, he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7 says, in which you once walked when you lived in them. What he's acknowledging here is that you you used to do this. Everybody here has a day where we used to live in sin. It's just no longer the case, hopefully. Hopefully we're no longer living in the things that we used to live in. So, you know, sometimes, you know, I think for believers, you know, they try to distance themselves from whatever they used to be. And we should in our behavior and our practice, but our testimonies are there. You know, if you used to be an alcoholic, if you used to be a drug addict, if you used to be in whatever you used to do, it's sometimes letting people know where we've come from is, is a great testimony. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. Do you wish sometimes that it wasn't so hard to do what needed to be done, especially with a good attitude? I sure do. The Apostle Paul was a great example of this. As we see in this verse, he included in his letter to the church in Colossae. Listen to Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So often we forget it's Jesus who has given us a redeemed life, a life that's been forgiven of our sins. If we believe this to be true, then everything we do should be like sending a thank you card to Jesus. We may not always do a great job, but it's a good reminder. Friends, what we say and what we do matters. Not only that, but how it's done is important. Do you like the message that you just heard? Great. We're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is a product of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have extra time and are close, we would be overjoyed for you to attend one of our services, Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or if there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that we've ministered to your heart and you feel a little more loved. We look forward to our next time together on A Transforming Word.